It's another great day on the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast because it takes more than writing great code to be a great engineer. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I am your host, Jameson Dance. How are things, Jameson? Uh, things are great. You know, Dave, I actually, we haven't had intro music this whole time. It's been so long. And, oh, actually, we had it that one time. We had the Diane Reams trumpet noises <laughs> I made with my mouth. The, yeah, the lip trumpet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was way back in episode two. Yep. Um, I, I wrote us a song what yeah i wrote us a little song oh a soft skills gosh. engineering theme song and i want to play it for you and for the listeners oh my gosh okay okay I'm hang ready. on gotta move my mic closer to the guitar all right <clears throat> you can write amazing code you can learn patterns and frameworks but that won't help you know how to deal with a boss who's a huge jerk for that you need soft skills soft skills engineering oh, oh, oh yes i love it so much <clears throat> oh thank you the thank audience you, just went wild I'm sure they did. You know, I, I quit my job a while ago, and I think I found my calling, which is <laughs> a rock star. So uh, is playing podcast intro music a soft skill? Um, I think so. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's probably a niche that I could specialize in, maybe. That was so good. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God, it was so good. Uh, tell us if you hate it. It's not going to be our intro for real, probably, because... What? <laughs> I love it. This is the first time I picked up guitar in like a year and a half, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you can tell from from my expert playing. So yeah, you definitely have QWERTY finger on that C string. I can. Tell. <laughs> uh, my guitar is strung in Colmac, actually, <laughs> so it's it's a little more comfortable on the hands. <laughs> that was so good. That, I just know there's like ten thousand software engineers driving down the freeway right now, and they're all getting in accidents because they took their hands off the wheel to clap. <laughs> <laughs> and none of them were in Teslas. They were pumping their fist to the beat. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so good. Thank you. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank Jameson, thank you for sharing your talents with us. You're welcome. Happy to do so. Uh, I want you to share your talents with us, though, with this question. All right. I will read our first question. Uh, let's see. Um, so the question is, what kind of work should interns be given? And a little more detail. Internships are starting about now. Uh, well, that's not really true where I live anyway. <laughs> it's, it's August. <laughs> this question's anyway. a little... We, we sat on it for a while. Yeah. Should new fe- should they work on new features? Should they work on bugs? Uh, what if they're difficult and they might, get slow- when they might slow down hitting a release date? Um, should it be small and useful throwaway projects or manual testing, documentation updating, or just let them figure it out on their own? What should interns do? It's a great question. It's a really good question. And... Um, they asked about manual testing or documentation updating, which to me is like, should we give them just the worst, like horrible <laughs> thing that will make them not learn anything and, and feel like slaves? And the answer is no to that. <laughs> I feel anyways, I, I think interns are like plants. You don't want to leave them in the dark, just like stash them in a corner somewhere because they won't grow. You got to care for them and feed them and water them and then they will bloom into beautiful flowers interns are like plants you should put them in the dirt and pour water on them yeah 
Well, well, think about why you have interns. I mean, part of it is like you want work done and they're usually cheaper, although some Google interns probably make more than I do. Um, (laughs) But but another part of the reason for internships is to hire people. You get them a chance to experience your company. And if they like it, then you'll be able to hire them on full time. Mm -hmm. And you already have this relationship with them. So that hopefully makes it easier to, to sell them on the idea. And if they have spent six months manually testing your crap and then writing documentation like heck no they're not gonna want to work there (laughs) yeah probably true it sounds horrible so i remember a long time ago i was on a a discussion group online and someone was asking this question hey on this version of linux how do i prevent the screensaver from coming on because we have this display up in our like common area and we have some like product statistics on it and stuff and the screensaver keeps coming on and someone says don't you have interns just make them wiggle the mouse every five minutes (laughs) yeah that's kind of the joke like oh they'll go fetch your coffee ho ho and like i don't know the the low man on the totem pole but i think that that does both you and them a disservice i think it it doesn't use the the opportunity quite well or quite so well um mm-hmm. maybe to talk about this we can talk about i mean what do interns hope to get out of it why why are they interning somewhere resume fodder <laughs> <laughs> they want to put google on their resume right yeah i mean who doesn't I, f- I just put it on there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that works, actually. I just read a blog post about some company that, well, works in the short term. Some company <laughs> yeah. was was torpedoed by this guy who just said he worked at Google, so they trusted him. <laughs> uh, and then he, like, ruined everything. But and he, he didn't actually work at Google. But, oh, but the first part of that story, it was, like, a huge success. Yeah, I got this great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, was, it got his foot in the door. Perfect. So I've seen companies do this a couple of different ways. Uh, I think you have too, Jameson, but the one, the most famous company is probably Joel Spolsky's company, Fog Creek Software in New York City, where they advertise for their internship positions um, and they specifically call out that they will be able to work on new product. And they take their interns, at least in some occasions, they'll take their interns and put them on a project that's like a brand new product and say, hey, you have one summer, build it. And we want to ship it and sell it when you're done. Um, they did that with the Copilot product, which was like a screen sharing service so that you could um, like hop on your friend's computer and help them solve a problem, even though you were in different you know parts of the country, which sounds really basic, but was pretty revolutionary at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think to some extent, I think you'll get out of interns what you put into them. And if you just throw them on crappy, boring tasks that you don't want your, air quotes, real employees to do, mm-hmm. then they'll, they'll definitely feel it. Um, I, I know that that's kind of the way things work in some industries like marketing or film or, or these. There are lots of industries where people are expected to kind of just go through horrible experiences to pay Mm -hmm. their dues and then they earn their way up to like a real position that actually gets paid yeah yeah (laughs) yeah exactly first of all pay your interns oh yes (laughs) oh my gosh i think it's pretty standard in software but it it might not be everywhere it's not especially outside of software it's very very common which man that opens a whole can of worms then let's not go there yeah yeah but anyways (laughs) pay them and and then um hopefully you accepted them as interns because they're smart and capable and they just maybe don't have the experience of, of like a, a full-time hire, but, but they can do stuff. They can figure things out. And, and I think if you ask a lot of them, they can step up to it. Um, 
one company around here in Utah called MX. They did this apprenticeship program. It's basically basically an internship. Um, and, and they ended up accepting, I think, like five or six interns on, on a team, which is not gigantic. And they put them all together on a project, um, a, a fairly important project, too. And, and the idea was that they would grow and learn more if they had each other to rely on instead of just being like stuck as the the person who gets all the crappy work on some team mm -hmm. off by themselves. And, and it also avoids that problem where the work is divided among them instead of um, the hard stuff is left for the senior developers and the interns get mm -hmm. both the easy and horrible stuff. Yeah. So they're saying that they give them one project, they're all together, yep. and there's no other developers on the project. I think I might be misremembering the details. I believe that there's kind of a senior engineer that rotates through the project as an advisor, and then I think all of the interns individually get an advisor. Um, I don't think that person okay. rotates. So there is some oversight, um, but it's definitely their responsibility. So the way we do it at HireVue is we take interns and we just put them on regular teams with the rest of the engineers. And the only thing that's different between the work that we give an intern versus the work we would give another engineer depends on their work hours. Like sometimes we have interns who say, well, I can only work three days a week. And so we wouldn't give them work that would require them to be like really responsive uh, for, you know, Monday through Friday. Like if, for example, they need to respond to production issues, we wouldn't assign a, a piece of work to that intern if they're going to be out of the office for a couple of days every week. Uh, likewise, if they're going to be in there every day, but they're going to go home at noon, you know, work like four hours a day or something. But other than that, we give them any job, uh, any task we would give, almost any developer we would give to an intern. Really? Yeah, pretty much. In including things that touch production, more ops oh, yeah. things? That oh, well, ops, um, I would except that also kind of breaks the rule I said about being available. You know, our ops people all are uh, on the on-call rotation. So they interns really can't do that, generally. I mean, I'm sure some could, but not these. Sure. Not the ones we've had. That's, that's the one place where maybe um, if you're touching things that could affect production, not, not in a way that you're just deploying features, but you're, you're like, if you're doing more of a DevOps culture, so your developers do a mm -hmm. lot more provisioning and, and, mm -hmm. and mess with prod, that's the one case where I think a lack of experience could, uh, that's not a comfortable environment to make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah. So I, I would be a little more worried about, I, I would have want a little more oversight on interns if they're doing things like that. But besides that, I think the more responsibility you give them, the, the more that they can grow. Yeah, definitely. And we only hire interns that we think have the potential to become full-time uh, engineers with us so that means by extension that they pretty much are trustworthy with our code base and they can make changes and we have process in place to prevent any engineer intern or otherwise from completely tanking production you know yeah another thing i like about um just the idea of interns in general is i've, I've heard this said about junior developers too but i think that they can be canaries in the coal mine they can mm. kind of reveal bad processes or bad code or, or things that are hard to understand that senior developers are experienced enough to work around. So if it takes like 30 steps to SSH into some server and then set some config flag and then like if your deploy process is a pain, experienced senior developers can figure it out and, and still deploy. And it might not bother them that much, right? Yeah, they might 
they might have some Stockholm syndrome going on there, <laughs> um, but they can still do it. And the intern will just be like, I, I can't what, even, yeah. I, <laughs> what is SSH? How, how to computer. And, yeah. <laughs> and you might say like, Oh, those darn interns, they don't know how to do all this stuff. But the fact that it's so complicated to do should be a, a warning sign to you. Yeah, yeah. Or if some chunk of code is just so arcanely complex that only only Dave Smith, the, the greatest engineer in all the land, can the greatest, touch it. The greatest SSH. Oh, wait, no, you're talking code. Yeah. <laughs> you mean, this, is more, this is more along the lines of my code is art <laughs> yeah, from a few yeah. episodes ago. Dave has created just this fantastic piece of art. Oh, yeah. That as part of the artwork, uh, it's impossible to change and fragile. Look, you need to understand the third time you call this function, it's going to segfault. And that's this by design. Yeah, that represents how in life, Sometimes we go through the same experience and react differently um, because we ourselves have changed. Because your mood is like a global variable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That can be changed by other threats. <laughs> yeah, and the intern's going to be like, how, how to computer. So I think if you create an environment where interns can be productive, it probably means you have uh, mm-hmm. good test coverage, some some decent documentation. You have a way to... Um, uh, spin people up on the dev team quickly and easily. And and I think those are all things that will pay dividends for the rest of your team too, not just the interns. I really like that concept of treating interns like a canary in the coal mine. Not every team gets to have new people join all the time. And so they're not often accustomed to new perspectives. But if you have a well-designed organization and process and good code base, interns will thrive. And if you don't, they will fail. And that's just awesome visibility. Yeah, uh, I know that some projects have the readme that gets updated once every time a new developer joins. Like, read the readme, follow it, and your job is to find out where it's wrong and then mm-hmm. fix it so that the next time it's only six months out of date instead of a year out of date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we actually do that. <laughs> yeah, no, we we do that too. And it's gotten a lot better. It's it, It's been less out of date every time. One other thing to take into consideration is that interns are often time limited, both, like I mentioned earlier, in terms of how many hours they can put in during the week and maybe what times during the week, but also uh, in terms of just total amount of time they're going to spend with your team. You know, some interns come in at the beginning of the summer and they leave before the next school year begins, like if, say, if they're in college. And so it's really important to pick work that they can either A, finish in that time frame, or B, hand off successfully. And sometimes that means that maybe some of your deeper design problems that need a lot of input and have long repercussions probably shouldn't belong to the intern. Um, And we have actually done that on my team, even though we pride ourselves on letting the interns be a full participant. We certainly do limit the amount of work or the nature of the work that they can get based on their time constraints. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But we actually take it so seriously that uh, one of our interns was uh, one of our team leads for a while. And he just rotated in, did the job for several months, did, did fine. <laughs> it was great. Oh, that's amazing. What does that say about management? Even a college kid can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. We actually had a C, uh, one of our interns was the CEO for a while. It was great. It was great. <laughs> Met with the board. He uh, raised some money. He got his golden parachute when the semester started. <laughs> He went back to school with a million bucks in his pocket, even though the company sunk. (laughs) Classic CEO move. (laughs) 
Oh, those interns. <laughs> and he still oh. got us all coffee. <laughs> we gave him a hard time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, the the weirdest part was when he had to fire some guy but but had to get him coffee first because he was the intern can i bring you some coffee <laughs> you're fired <laughs> oh. well that's all i have on this one question answered answered all right uh i will read the next one okay how do you handle developers who are dead weight from an anonymous listener i have a question about how you handle developers who are dead weight my ex-manager recently turned developer Um, was a very cool manager, but is a not so great developer. We are both on the same team in a new project. What started as me helping him to ramp back up into the JavaScript ES 2016 world has turned into me doing two people's work because he just doesn't ever seem to grasp the concepts and needs constant handholding. I feel this is a particularly sticky situation because he has always had my back uh, from his managerial position. Any advice from the soft skills engineering crew? If he's literally dead, you should call a coroner. That's number one. <laughs> just, That's a soft skill. Yeah. <laughs> just stab him right in the back. Just betray him. <laughs> it's a cutthroat world out there. You can't get to the top without... You can't You can't make omelets without stabbing someone in the back. Yeah. Isn't that how the metaphor goes? Yep, and you stab them in the soft parts. Hence, <laughs> soft skills. <laughs> oh, this is a really tough situation, actually. Yeah. Here we have a pair of people who have worked successfully, but the nature of the relationship changed, and now they're not working successfully. That's basically what happened here, right? Yeah, it seems like it. The people didn't change, but their responsibilities changed. Yeah, while we were talking about this, we had a couple questions. And one is, um, is this his first time as a developer? Or Mm -hmm. is he uh, like returning to development? Because I think that would make a difference. Yeah, like did he write some mean COBOL back in the day and now yeah, he's just yeah. coming to versus I'm brand new to this whole development scene. Yeah. Uh, is he rolling up his sleeves to show you young whippersnappers some some of his tricks that he learned back in the day? I'm guessing not. Based on how it's wording, let's assume that he is, this is his first foray into development. Really? That seems like an unlikely situation to me though. I feel like it would most From often, manager to developer. Hmm. For the hmm. first time, like, because how would, how would he be, become a manager? That's an interesting question. Okay, let's not make that assumption. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can make it. <laughs> I made it and unmade it. Okay. <laughs> that was easy. That was good. Assumptions are easy to break here. <laughs> uh, so, Jameson, have you ever been in a situation, actually, I know you have, um, where you have someone who is not pulling their weight and you need to talk to them, like a peer who's not pulling their weight, and you feel like you should go talk to them about it? Yeah. I I have uh this was a quite a while ago. Um and it was horribly awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. horrible and it ended up with them not working there anymore. So I don't I don't know that there's much like advice to impart from that. It was it was more like they weren't a, a great fit and they kept not being a great fit. Um yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I just I I've only had I think one experience in the last 15 years where I worked with someone who I felt so strongly wasn't carrying their weight that I actually wanted to like directly solve the problem. And even then I felt it was just too awkward for me to go and tell them. Yeah. I just didn't do it. I didn't talk to them about it. It's hard. And in this case, the situation that our listeners describing here, it seems even harder 
because of their you relationship. Know? Yeah, from, like they had a good before. thing going. And as a manager, he totally took care of him. Yeah. And now he's like, hey, I need to tell you, you suck at your job. Yeah. But on the other hand, James and I were talking about this before the show started. It's like this guy had his back. They have a good relationship. So that should be a leg up, especially since they had management, uh, a manager relationship, right? So this manager probably knows a lot of things about you mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't, has some secrets, and you've trusted him. So I wonder if that would actually help you to have this kind of a hard conversation. It also seems like if you have management experience, part part of what I imagined you would have done is try and help people improve and get better at their job. Yep. And so you might have some empathy for someone in the in that role saying like hey you need you need to get better things aren't going great so i imagine that's something you've done before yeah the manager and in fact he's probably keenly aware if he's been a manager there's a really good chance he knows what performance problems look like because he's had he's been responsible for them in the past and so he probably already knows and he's wondering probably wondering how you're responding to this whole thing this yeah, sounds like a situation where you need to have a conversation yeah, I I wonder if he's in the 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 situation where he kind of knows something's going on and getting it out in the open would make things better. Cuz it feels pretty terrible to to kind of feel like you're failing and and either everyone's talking about it behind your back or they're just mm-hmm. kind of silently resenting you. Like getting mm-hmm. it out in the open could be helpful, I think. Um one way to broach that subject is to have just a sit down one-on-one. Maybe you already have times when you can sit down and be alone and just ask, how do you feel about being a developer so far? You know, super non, <laughs> non like directional that you're not leading the person to answer the question that way and just see if it comes up. It just, it very well might. Yeah. In my experience, uh, that question always means, I think there's a problem. Are you aware <laughs> well, of it? <laughs> what if what if it's just a casual lunch conversation and you're like, hey, you've been you're a couple months into your new role. How's it going? Like, what do you like it? Yeah, I guess do that's you, do you like it is a much better way to say it. I yeah, think. that's better than saying, how, tell me how you feel about your performance so far. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it felt great until you asked until, me that yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so again, there's a lot of context we don't have here. If he has been a developer in the past, um. I, I think some of those skills can atrophy and, and especially if he doesn't know anything about the code base, there's just a warm up period or a sure. learning curve. I mean, if, if he was a new hire, you would have some patience about he needs to figure out what the code base is and, and what's going on and what our patterns are. Um, so if, if he's new to the code base and also has been out of development for a while and so isn't uh, kind of up to speed, you mentioned with ES 2016, um, it, it seems like you should be looking for progress, not mm-hmm. just absolute velocity right now. And if you're hmm. not seeing any progress, that's a different problem than um, he's he's improving, but just not as quickly as I would like. That's a good point. Another thing to do uh, is to make sure that you're characterizing this situation correctly. Is it possible that this person isn't just bad or slow but rather has a different style than you Mm. maybe they go about solving problems more deliberately and thinking through things in like a depth first way instead of maybe you're like a breadth first style and so um you know maybe they just need to work through things in a different order than you're used to and so you're then characterizing them as slow yeah that's true 
However, the question specifically says that he's, uh, what does he say? Um, helping him ramp back up. Okay, he doesn't seem to ever grasp the concepts and needs constant hand-holding. So it's like, if you're repeatedly telling this person the same thing over and over, like, yes, the semicolon does have to go at the end of the line, you know, like, maybe maybe this isn't a mischaracterization. Maybe it really is just, they're just not getting it. Yeah, and there's also some amount of, uh, I, I can detect some kind of stress or pressure on this person because he says, or he or she says, uh, I'm doing two two people's worth of work, um, mm-hmm. and and I wonder if there's some kind of deadline pressure, or just if they feel yep. like they're being held responsible for the the progress of the project when they don't have a team that can work as effectively as they would like to. Yep, and that probably means it's above your pay grade to deal with the problem. If your company is expecting you to deliver at a velocity of two developers, but you really only have one capable ramp developer, there's an expectations problem that maybe needs to be managed at a level higher than what you're talking about here. Yeah, so this gets to, uh, I I have a a philosophical dilemma to propose to you. Um, I have talked to people who feel like if you are going to kind of I don't know, not complain, but say something that could possibly negatively affect a person to a boss, you kind of owe it to them to talk to them in person first. So how do you, how do you feel about that? Does he, does does he or she have the responsibility to say like, Hey, you need to step up. I'm feeling all stressed out to this person. No, no, in my my opinion, no, because what, so I think I heard this great definition of gossip the other day that said gossip is when you're talking to a person about a problem that they cannot solve. Ooh, I like that. And by talking to the person who is the problem, they can solve it. Now, if the situation was reversed and you had a bad boss and you were talking to your peer about the boss's problems, that would be that that would fit the definition and that would not be productive. Um, but in this case, yeah, I think I don't think there's any problem going to the person before you go to their boss. Now, do you owe it to them? I don't think so. I think in the case of a performance problem, it actually is your manager's job to work on that. Hmm. Man, I'm just thinking about that definition. It's great. Yeah, I like that one. That was compliments of Dave Ramsey, in case you're curious. Ah. There, there's your source. A fellow Dave. Yes, right. Of course he would be smart. <laughs> of course. <laughs> With a name like Dave. Yeah. I think the question of how do I deal with people who are dead weight in in the like abstract is kind of a quite a bit different from this specific question because there are all these complicating factors about your mm-hmm. relationship and how roles have changed and stuff. This is like a this is like the the hard mode version of this question. It really is. Um, you want to talk about the easy mode? Yeah, I mean the easy mode is uh. Well, first of all, um, was this a hiring problem? Like, should this person not have been hired? Did did you feel like they would have been great and it turns out that they just aren't as good as you thought they were when they were hired? Um, and, and, and if that's the case, then, I mean, no, oh man, I feel just soulless saying this. But, <laughs> um, but in my experience, there are some training and mentoring can help people and you definitely want to make sure people are in an environment where they can succeed and when they where they feel supported but but if you don't see someone improving even with all the support and help that you're giving them uh it's it's not your responsibility to like rehabilitate people or or uh transform their lives you know 
Yeah, at some, at some point, it's their responsibility to at least initiate that process. Yeah, so so the I guess the doomsday like ultimate solution is just to to let them go, um, and that's yeah. a com- oh go ahead. Well, what if you're not in a position to do that? What if yeah, so so that's what I was going to say. That's where talking to your manager and and raising the problem and just saying I, it's they're not keeping up, mm-hmm. and I don't imagine they ever will. Um. It, it, there are all kinds of other things going on. Uh, you might not be aware of some stuff. Yep. Big, big, big point. Yeah. So, but, but raising that to your manager is like one thing that you could do with the knowledge that, Hey, this might end up with this person getting laid off. So that's like a pretty, uh, a pretty weighty step to take. I think one time, uh, one thing I've done in the past is I, I will go to my manager and I will say, I do not want to name any names here. Because I want to protect the innocent, but I want to share with you some behaviors that I've observed, and I want you to help me judge whether these are significant enough to bring to your attention and actually identify the person so that they can get help improving or be moved out of the organization. Um, And then you can go through the situation and the manager can say, no, no, you're actually overreacting. (laughs) Or they can say, these are real concerns. I need to know who it is so I can help the situation. Or they'll say, oh, are you talking about Fred? (laughs) You know, and it's like obvious to them. And maybe they're already working with Fred. You know, that's actually pretty common. I, now, I've been in management now for coming on a couple of years. And what I have discovered is that oftentimes management knows a lot more about people's individual circumstances than their peers realize, especially when there's things going on in their personal lives that are struggles. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you just can't share those things. You just can't be like, yeah, so-and-so is going through a hard time at home. Like, that's just not something I can share. So, um, you know, you, you have to temper everything you know as a manager against uh, what you're hearing from their peers. And so, yeah, sharing information can't hurt, but you do have to be delicate about it. And that's one way to to try. Sure. That makes sense. It, I mean, I I mentioned mentoring and and providing an environment where people can succeed and it, it is worth it to examine your own behavior and say like, have I, have I done enough to help this person? Yeah, definitely. I've definitely worked at places where I've been guilty of just throwing people in the deep end and expecting them to perform at the level of someone who is both a a talented developer and who's experienced and comfortable in the code base and technology that we were using. And that's kind of unfair. I mean, people take time to ramp up. They take time to learn things and, and people take time to improve. So they're, uh, I mean, it's hard to know without, knowing the exact situation but there's a a lot that you as an individual can do to help people out totally agree all right that was a hard one yeah it was question sort of answered good luck tell us tell us what happens yeah we would like if you are comfortable yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah this seems like it could have an an interesting conclusion Mm mm-hmm Stay tuned for the exciting conclusion. <laughs> Speaking of exciting conclusions, we have an announcement to make. And I forgot to tell Dave about it beforehand. So I'm just going to spring it on him. Is it that we got music? Uh, no. <laughs> I wrote another song. It's an exit song, not an intro song. No, it's our website. Our website is live. It's at softskills.audio, I think. Did I even say that right? Yeah. You did. Softskills.audio. Yeah. Uh, you can tell that um, we are professional web developers by the way that there is words and two colors, three colors that I can see actually. There's black mm-hmm. and white and mm-hmm. also some blue. 
and uh, some gray. Yeah, and some gray. That's true. Never forget about gray. It's a quadro. Wait, quadrochromatic website. It's <laughs> it's kind of the new design thing. Yeah, it's it's the next iteration of flat design. It's non skeuomorphic quadrochromatic. Uh, I think the term is brutalist. Actually, <laughs> you laugh. That's a real thing. Oh no! No, it is. Yeah, it's it's actually really interesting if you. Google oh. brutalist design, brutalist web design. Uh, so check that out. It has some show notes. It has links to the episodes. If you're listening, there's probably not a lot that you haven't seen already, but it's an easy way to share the podcast with people. Before we had to just share tweets, but now we can point people to URLs for our episodes. So that's exciting for us. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. It's a pretty revolutionary website. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think you'll be seeing a lot of medium think pieces about the tech we've used here. <laughs> Did All you right, hear about HTML? <laughs> <laughs> Where can people go if they would like to ask us a, quen- a question and have us answer it on they, the air? Yeah, they can go to our, uh, our Twitter. We are softskillseng, and if you can just send us a direct message or a tweet, we will put it in our queue and, and get to it and answer your question. Mm-hmm. And we would love to. Yep. Many of you have done this, and we're sorry that we can't get to all of your questions, but uh, thank you for them. All right. I think we're done. That Talk to you it. next week. Cue up our exit music. Uh, <laughs> uh, I put my guitar down. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. <sighs> Oh, no, I forgot how to play Stairway to Heaven. It's been too long. (laughs) There it is. I have not tried to play that song in like eight years. Uh, You can tell how good I am at it. It's impressive. You got a few of the notes out there. Several of those notes were correct. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good success rate, I'd say. All right. See (laughs) y'all later. Thanks. Bye.